0: Welcome back to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short. I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have with me Nani Dominguez, my other co-host. Nani,
1: welcome back. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back.
0: Yes. I realize I need to bring this up more often, like what our show is about, because we don't do like an intro thing anymore, like an automated, like, you know, intro music kind of thing where I talk about it. We should totally talk about it. But before I do, let me go ahead and bring on our guests today to kind of be a part of our conversation early on. We have with us spreadsheet ninja, self-taught seat cycler, and birth mother, Rain Fernandez. Rain, welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. We've already had like 20 minutes worth of like offline conversation. And so I feel like ready to like bring up stuff. (laughs) But yeah, thank you for joining us. And Obviously, we're going to be asking you some questions shortly, but just wanted to bring you on early anyway. So Nani, I was thinking, I included us in an email at the time of this recording with Eileen, who, you know, we have an exciting episode coming up where we're going to talk about politics, everyone get ready, don't freak out. But part of it is we're thinking about like brainstorming ideas on how we want to approach this because obviously our community alone is already divided as it is in general. And therefore we have different political views, et cetera, et cetera. And so one question she asked me in the email, though, is she said, you know, before we talk about how to approach this conversation, let's talk about, like, remind me, like, what's the purpose of your show anyway? Like, why did you decide to create the Filipino American Woman Project? And I think just real briefly, it's important for me to mention that in case people are joining us for the first time. And I'll just give you all like kind of the bullet points as to why I started the show. So back in December 2016, it was like in between Christmas and New Year's. I don't remember how it led up to it, but I do remember doing a Google search of just Filipino American women. And I didn't like what I saw. And in that moment, I was running a social media agency at the time, Facebook Live was all the rage. And I somehow knew instinctively (laughs) that I needed to kind of be the change that I wanted to see. And so we started our show via Facebook live. This is good for you too, Rain. In case you're wondering how the show started. But yeah, we started Facebook live and my primary goal was to just get more of us share our stories, like share our stories and share our truths and kind of have that oral history being documented online so that when people do a search, if they do that search of Filipino American woman, if you do that now, you actually see us on the first page of Google. So yay yeah, yes. <laughs> and so we can sort of rewrite that narrative, you know, for our community. But also the important thing, the reason why I did it, and even though I went on a hiatus in 2018 and restarted this in 2019 in the summertime, the reason why I did it then, the reason why I do it today, is it goes back to the quote that I have on my Instagram. I've had this quote on my bio for a long time or for some time now. And it's by Alice Walker. And it goes, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. And my goal with the show is if people can own their story, then they know that they can take control of their life. Like they know that they have power. They know that they have a say in things and therefore act upon that. And so every episode that we've done, every interview we've done has really been an opportunity for you know, our guests to own their story if they haven't already. And those who do own their story to share it to the world, to empower other people to own their story as well, because it's more than just owning your story. It's knowing that you matter. And it's knowing that you actually, yes, you could make a difference like you can. And I feel like in every interview we do, I feel affirmed that we're on the right track. So that's kind of like the origin story of the show and why I continue to do it. Nana, you joined in summer 2019. So I thought I'd ask you. So our listeners know what compelled you to, you know, actively reach out to me knowing nothing about me.
1: <laughs> and yeah. you're like, I want to be a part of this. I mean, I've done similar Google searches in the past and not just on Google, but even growing up, you know, like Disney movies, Barbie dolls, all the things that little girls have to play with that help them form their identities or shape how they view themselves, there just wasn't a lot of Filipino American representation in general out there in Mm -hmm. mainstream media. And so, you know, when you do those Google searches and you see the kind of like sex related websites that pop up or like mail order brides, which used to be like on the first page of Google, if you search Filipina or Panay or Filipino American woman in Google, it's not that, you know, a lot of Filipinas are sexually empowered and we are usually very in tune with our like sexuality and sensuality which is great but there's more to us we're not a monolith and so mm-hmm. when i found this project on instagram it really spoke to me and i love how the goal was kind of to provide more accurate representation of the variety of things that we can be and that the diversity that we our community embodies basically So our goal here is to highlight like real women in today's like modern world and Mm -hmm. show that, you know, we are so multifaceted, we are talented, we are in so many different spaces and provide that kind of guide, I guess, for younger Penais growing up today to know all that they can be capable of. So that is why I like to plug in here and am so dedicated to this project. Yeah,
0: beautifully said, as always, Nani. I love it. I just I can't believe that 2021 and summer will be our two year anniversary together. I know. (laughs) And our 100th episode is coming up, so I think we're gonna have to do something special for that episode when the time comes. But thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's important to kind of be reminded, especially if people are listening to our show in chronological order and kind of maybe forgot, you know, what the show is really about. And so I think it's important for our listeners to know from the host standpoint, like why we continue doing what we do. So I appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective as well and why you continue to be a part of this project. All right. So let's go ahead and bring on Rain. So Rain, let us know, because we kind of found you or you found us online, but let our listeners know, how did you hear about the Tifa project and what compelled you to sign up for 2021 to share your
2: story here? So, oh my goodness. I'm pretty sure I was just listening. So I barely had Spotify. And I was listening to all this like Filipino music. And so one day you guys were just on the recommended. And I was like, oh, okay. Like oh, I'm a you know, Filipino American woman. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, so then I clicked on it. And I like to listen to things chronologically. <laughs> so <laughs> wow.
0: That's
2: so amazing. I will tell you that I, you know, I started from the beginning, but for some reason I clicked three instead of one. So I was like, oh, like, this is so relatable. And I think this is, like, when you just, like, when you were just saying, oh, like, I just had a laptop and a mic or something, and you Mm -hmm. just went for it. And so... To me, I was like, oh, like maybe this is the sign that I'm like looking for that I like don't need like the moment to be perfect to do what I want to do. And which I think partly is to be like storytelling. Yeah. So the more that I like listened, the more that I'm just like, it basically became part of my routine. So I work from home, you know, eight hours a day, sometimes more. And it's been a really like, Crazy busy time at work. And I really would just rather look at my spreadsheets and, you know, have like background music. And I'm really like, (laughs) I find it really hard to listen to like new songs for some reason. So Mm. when I found podcasts, I was like, oh, like I could just do this. So like I started doing like two episodes in the morning and then like another two in the afternoon. So I think at some point, I'm, I'm up to like episode like 40 now or something. Wow, in
0: chronological order. That's at least like 40 hours. (laughs) That's like a whole, like sitting there for like a whole day and a half. Like that's crazy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm just like, the hard part is like once I started taking notes, because I was like, oh, this thing is so relatable. And so I wanted to honor their stories by actually paying attention and Mm. like not treating it as background music, because I'm like, that's somebody's, life that they're sharing and mm-hmm. so it deserves right. the attention so to me it became like mm-hmm. oh like no like I'm actually going to dedicate time so like I kind of like scaled back and started doing like one a day because some of them were really heavy so <laughs> yeah yeah we have <laughs> I some was just like problems. oh my gosh like oh let's let's calm down on that and then go back <laughs> and I keep going back to that episode where nanny was like I think you were talking to your dad and you said, you know, when you're ready to unpack that shit, let's talk about it. (laughs) I I can't remember what episode, but I just like have that in my head. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, it's definitely like there's a lot of things to unpack. And it's like continuing to unpack and listening to other like Filipino women talk about it. Because I just like don't relate to other Filipinos. It's just Mm -hmm. it's really weird to me because it's like. I think like the moment that I came over here, it was like the fruition of like my parents dream of taking me out of the Philippines. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they just knew that they were leaving. So I, for as long as I can remember, I always like, thought in English so I suck at Tagalog like I suck at <laughs> Philippine. like I failed my Filipino classes like it was like there's no reason for this like I was there for 18 years like mm. how can I not pass this so oh my gosh, that's it was just crazy right so and then I tried like the Filipino American like clubs and stuff in school and I just like I just never felt like it fit in like they were too like nationalistic for me or something like they're just, it's, it's like that, such a thing. It's too much Filipino pride, but it's like, <laughs> I've just never, like, like I never hang on to it. And doing like the generational trauma exercise, I figured out why. And mm-hmm. it's because my grandmother is part Japanese, but she's mm. like so ashamed of that Japanese identity. Right. That right. I can imagine. Me, it like, it shows up as me not relating to any identity because I just don't look Filipino enough mm-hmm. so when people are like oh you know what are you or back when I had my ex's last name then people just assumed I was white and I, I just was like okay like cool I guess I don't know like is that the goal right so it's just like so it's so hard to for me to talk about like race and identity because I feel like I have some of that privilege. Like I'm like not in a place to be talking about, you know, like minorities and stuff because it's not something that I relate to. And so somebody recently actually asked me about that. And I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and decline. Like, I don't think I have anything to say about it because I feel really privileged to not have to like think about this. (laughs) <laughs> up until recently yeah. right you know up until like I reclaimed my name and I'm just like mm-hmm. you know what like it's okay like you know I'm gonna be this like and it was so hard because yes no, never change your, <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah, no, ca- <laughs> your name yeah so- <laughs> no that's my name never change your name yeah
0: my husband and I do not share last name <laughs> Uh, Well, for me, it's personal. It's like, I lost my dad when I was young and I want to carry on his name. Like it's my dad's last name. So there you go. I am curious to know. So, you know, you shared, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. And secondly, What I'm hearing is that there was so much disconnect, you know, for you to identify with even just your Filipino side. And you mentioned as you were listening to our show and binge listening to it, which I (laughs) thank you. What was it about listening that really resonated with you? You kept saying relatable, like that was the same word that kept popping up despite like, you know, who you were before you started listening to the show. Mm. So what is it about the show that you feel like has been most relatable to you?
2: It's the imperfectness of it for me mm. that you were not expecting me to, you know, know like everything in the spectrum. Right. So yeah. I think the relatable portion is that you just went and did, you know, what you thought. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, true. I, like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like I think it's really just like picking up the microphone and just speaking. Right. And then just interviewing people. Mm-hmm. So to me, I don't think there's not like a perfect moment. So whenever I hear your guests just like sharing their stories and then it's something that I can relate to, but like not necessarily like the whole thing. So when you spoke about your abuse and how you weren't really believed and it was like it really resonated with me because it was the same thing for me. It was like somehow it was my fault, you know, it was like you're not really even assigning the correct blame here, right? Like, it's like you're blaming the victim for existing. So yeah. to me, it's wow. it's really like, if you think about it, the way that I've been like looking at it, because I also, I'm also like dabbling in like victim advocacy mm. is, the question is, why did that person feel the need to do it? Why did that person feel the need to hurt you? Why did that person feel entitled to you? Yeah, And so... To like my experience, it was like this person felt that my mom didn't speak up. So I also wouldn't speak up, Wow! but I did. And so yeah. the consequence of speaking up was like losing my family, losing. There's only like 12 of us here or I guess in L.A. And mm-hmm. so losing that family, losing the celebrations, losing, you know, the holidays. Yeah. And to me, it was so worth it. It was mm-hmm. so worth like you know, even though it was like a continuous, it's still a continuous process of healing for me. It was just worth it not staying. Yeah. And speaking up for myself and not being blamed for like saying something. Mm -hmm. For like destroying the family because now we can't peacefully get together. And I was like, well, why would you want to peacefully get together with somebody who assaults other people? Like, why would that person be part of the family? Like, why are you allowing that person to be part of the family? And I've kind of like, I'm starting to like forgive my aunt for it because Mm -hmm. I will never understand her stance of she didn't want to be homeless. And that nobody was helping her with my grandmother, with my biological maternal grandmother who, you know, so she kind of like she she lives with her and she's very weak. And so she really like needs the help. Right. So, yeah. So it's just like she didn't want me to report because that would mean that like she would lose her husband. She would lose her source of stability in life. And so the lesson that I learned is to like have your own money like like to me you <laughs> know like, don't rely on on don't anyone. rely on yep. anyone else and I would rather <laughs> be homeless like I have I have like there were some days that I've had to sleep in my car and I would rather mm-hmm. do that all over again than be in a situation where I'm compromising
1: my values good yeah. for you that, <laughs> takes, that takes a lot that takes so a lot to say. And like you said, you know, the older generations in your family clearly struggled with that. And that was something that you couldn't understand. So I appreciate your ability to always choose yourself in those moments that people normally will minimize themselves or try and sweep their feelings under the rug to avoid hurting someone else or rocking the boat for someone else. You know, yeah. so I love that you've been so brave in that way. And in all the toxic environments that it sounds like you found yourself in, you still find a way to choose yourself.
0: Yeah, there was this quote that I picked up early on, I think in my young 20s that went something like, I'd rather be alone than with bad company. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Rain. And thank you for even sharing a little bit of your background of abuse. We do need to talk about that, you know, and actually one of the first conversations we had on the podcast was with Anna Marie Cruz with entrepreneurship, who also shared that she experienced getting molested by one of her family members. And so I'm not sure which episode that was. It was probably like episode like two or three, like the very, very beginning (laughs) So I was thinking a lot about this lately. So I've been living in Virginia Beach for um, this year will be my two-year <laughs> anniversary. A lot of two-year anniversaries are coming up this year. But my husband and I have lived out here for about two years now. And lately, I'm starting to make like friends locally. And one thing I noticed about a number of my friends is that they have like, they're rooted out here. Like they have kind of like Nani's family, like in Oakland, like y'all are there, you know, like in California, like I have friends here who are just rooted here with family. And, you know, it's not even a thought of, can I get help from someone or can I kind of barge into someone's house unannounced? Like, you know, it's just like normal for them to kind of have that sense of community and knowing that they have each other. And, I've been missing that a lot lately. Like, I've been thinking to myself, like, man, I kind of miss the days where I could just pop into someone's house or say, hey, what are you doing? You want to get food? Like, I haven't had that kind of friendship or community in a very long time. But part of it is because I grew up with a lot of abuse within my family that just like with you, I started to set boundaries. I started to distance myself. And I started to think like, wow, like, sometimes it's lonely when you set healthy boundaries. But again, it goes back to that quote that I said, it's better to be alone than with bad company. And you kind of start to learn. I'm not saying my whole family is bad. My immediate family, we all get along. I love you mom and sister and (laughs) my brother. But you know, it's like, I think maybe part of the transformation that uh, Panay goes through sometimes, not all the time, but at least for me, is that you learn to Take your family for who they are and try to find your own adopted family. Like, you know, try to build a second family, like within your friends or the people you work with and what have you. But that's definitely something I've been missing lately. It's kind of just that entitlement (laughs) to someone's like time and resources. But I remind myself why I don't have that. Like You know, it's because I I work so hard to get away from that abuse and find self-healing. And I wouldn't go back to that. Like, just because I miss it doesn't mean I'd go back to it. It just reminds me that I have to grow deeper roots out here. I have to build that for myself. And fortunately, my husband and I were talking and we sort of decided like, I think we're gonna live here for a while. Like, unless something catastrophic happens, like I think Virginia Beach is actually like our legitimate home now. And and it's taken me a while. Like, even right now, I'm I'm still kind of sounding doubtful about it because I'm still trying to fully accept that I'm gonna live here because my life has been so transient for the last like decade or so. And so, anyway, like in you sharing your story, that sort of kind of reminds me of my own like livelihood and like why you know I am where I am today, and like why I use the Filipino-American Woman Project as my second family to be able to connect with a lot of other panais who, just like kind of what you said earlier, Rain, are imperfect, but they show up anyway, you know? And I think that's what I hope to kind of break in our community is that feeling of perfection, like feeling like you have to show up as the best version of yourself because you don't have to, because you're already enough, you know? And like the more people I can have conversations with that, like like that, I think the more good I get to put out there. And also I get to be reminded that I could be imperfect and, and feel forward and and it's okay. Like, I'm still, I'm still loved. I'm still, you know, I'm still worthy and and everything. So anyway, I just want to see if you, any of you had any general thoughts about what I shared.
2: <laughs> I like how you said showing up. So I think that was the word that I was looking for to like describe mm. the whole experience for me. It's just like, it's just Filipino American women showing up and saying this is my version of being a Filipino-American woman. So I really like, like, the intro when you ask, you know, you know, why do you identify as a Filipino-American woman? And initially, I was really like, do I even identify as a Mm Filipino-American woman if I wasn't, you know? Yeah, like, I know that it's like the Filipino part is, like, so iffy for me. Like, it's just really weird because of just how, like, I was... I'm going to say like groomed, like growing up, like it's just Mm -hmm. like everything like added up to the moment of like leaving. And so if you ask me if I have like any plans of going back to the Philippines, it would be like, no, like why would I want to do that? So I'm like, yeah, so it's just really like a kind of like unofficially like meeting all these other women so now like yeah. I follow them on Instagram like every <laughs> time like they say you know like yeah. what their handle is or something so then I'm just like oh like cool like yeah so then like it's just expanding and I think the word for me is like curate like mm. curating your social media so that you see what you want to see it's just it's so nice that yeah. it actually picks that up because then now all I see in my recommendations are like other women, like other, oh, you know, it's like other like Filipino American women or other therapists or other people who I share the same thing with. Maybe we don't share something yet, but it's mm-hmm. something that I'm now like open to like experiencing or open to hearing about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's go ahead and dive into that question. Actually, oh, you mentioned shoot. that, you know, should I identify with being Filipino? Yet here you are on the <laughs> Filipino American Woman Project. So, Rain, if you can just real briefly or however you want to explain, give us a little bit about your family history and, you know, why you identify as a Filipino American woman or to say the least, like why you felt so compelled to sharing your story of the iffy part of being filipino on our show
2: (laughs) okay so i identify as filipino american because i am a filipino born in the philippines Mm -hmm. i moved here when i was 18. we immigrated thanks to my maternal grandmother who got her citizenship through her son, who joined the U.S. Navy Mm. a while back. So that's like the full story is my mom is just super stubborn and religious and refused Mm. to um, live in sin. So in 1985, she got married. And yeah, so if she didn't get married in 1985, she would have been in the U.S. like much sooner, like her Mm. other siblings and my grandparents. Yeah. So by getting married, we got pushed in the back of the line. So it was a family immigration. It took almost 20 years. So she restarted in the back of the line. So she could have been in like the five year line with her siblings. But she decided that, you know, like family is more important to her. Mm -hmm. And so she was the only one left. She and my dad. They kind of like unofficially inherited everything that everybody left behind. Mm -hmm. So my uncle who was in the Navy, he had technically two houses. There was like two houses that that were sitting in one lot. So that was left to my mom and... They lived in a smaller house for a while and it was nice. You know, it was like, we were really like the spoiled kids because we were the only ones left. And I think, you know, everybody felt bad that we were left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you were spoiled. So, you know, we were good- spoiled. So you know, it kind of like makes up, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it makes up for it. Yeah, we get all the like boxes. Um, there you go. There, there we go. All right. So maybe like, um, maybe I don't want to leave. Like if you guys are gonna keep sending leave. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just keep sending me stuff. And you like you, you know, you don't know how like how much anything costs until it's like converted, right? So mm-hmm. that was nice. Eventually, like, so 9-11 happened and mm-hmm. Homeland Security was created. And they lost some of the immigration paperwork. Like, that is part of, like, the delay. And so that was, like, 2001, right? So now a new agency was formed. They were, like, consolidating. They were vetting people more. Yeah, so then... So sometime in 2005, in late 2005, we finally got our paperwork and it was a lot. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of money and it was a lot of red tape like on the Mm -hmm. Philippine side. And if my mom didn't work for a really like she worked for the local government, like the Department of Local Government, and she had a lot of pull because she knew a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so we were just like, you know what? This is unfortunate that we have to do this, but we were trying to skip the lines like Mm -hmm. on the Philippine side, just to like get the appointments done and all of that. Up until like leaving, she had us escorted because at that time, like it was just like, and I think even now, like, you just like don't trust people. Like you don't trust people to not open your luggage. You don't trust your people to like do stuff to you. And so yeah, so thankfully, like she knew people, <laughs> like mm-hmm. because she was a state auditor, and that came with like a lot of like responsibilities and somehow connections. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, go, mom. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I learned anything from her, it's like you don't get intimidated, mm. even if you get like dead oh, threats, like that. you don't back down on your integrity because that's mm. all you have, and so. I love that. You know, like even if they had like the threats of the rebel forces over there saying, you know, you can't do this, you can't audit this or you can't look at this. And they still did what they needed to do. And mm-hmm. so I think that's part of like why she really just was like so set on getting out of there because she's like, this is not the life that I envisioned for you guys. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so then we came over in March of 2006 in Long Beach, California, California. Nice. And so, yeah, it was. I
0: mean, it, that's like it when was I graduated like, like uh, high school. Yeah, I was like, when you were right. was six is when I graduated high school. Okay, anyway, go on. I was like, yeah, so, so like, I mean, when you arrived here. I was like, oh, I finished high
2: school. Anyway, I, th- I think you're, I think I'm only like a, he- a year ahead of you because I'm class of 2010 when I graduated college.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we uh, yeah. confirmed that you're like a year <laughs> older than me. Like, you're out there, rain.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, so like Long Beach has a really like good feeling. Filipino community, like the church has mass in Tagalog. Mm. There's just like a lot of like Filipino businesses. And it's just like, I don't know, I guess it's just like, it was weird to me that I didn't quite fit in, even though it's like also like all this other immigrants. And yeah. It's just yeah, like I don't even think I can name like a Filipino friend until like, well, actually that's not true. Like I had one, and I had one Filipino friend in college, mm-hmm. and wow. So- Well, you
0: know, thank you for sharing all that. I know Nani's been listening this entire time so far, so I thought I'd check in with you, see if you had any
1: thoughts. I think it's just important to note, like both of you kind of touched on, that even though our culture is kind of known for our like community, family, like really strong family dynamic, not everybody comes from a close knit family like that or has that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling from their home or where they feel like they belong. But somehow, no matter if we're in the Philippines or whether we come over here, we always find a way to find that community anyway, which, you know, Jen, you've done an incredible job doing with this project. And I hope that all the things that we force kind of unpacking that in most Filipino families, whether it's toxic or not, it's not really it's kind of taboo to talk about a lot of the things we talk about on this show. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that gives kind of an opening for people who don't have that at home to feel that here and to find that family, you know, like Rain has, as she's been binging on on the show and everything. So I think it's important to know and also to normalize that that's okay. And mm-hmm. as you get older, you realize that you don't have to carry that resentment for where you come from or who did what to you, you know, as you were growing up, that you can create those meanings and rewrite those meanings as you go. And so, yeah. Yeah, beautifully said. And also, Rain, it sounds like you have a badass mom. So kudos to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love her, her attitude or at least how you've described her and how she, you know, taught you to never be intimidated. Fortunately, when I visited the Philippines for the first time, a lot of my family had kind of told me the same thing or warned me about that kind of just like, don't trust anyone. Some of my family was like, don't even smile at people. Don't look people in the eye. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, you guys are are getting extreme. And it's sad that a lot of us do feel that way about the motherland and the islands and Mm -hmm. just being there because it is such a beautiful place. There is so much to explore, even if, you know, again, your family is not like a sense of safety for you, there is still so much there that shouldn't be like plagued by that stigma. So I appreciate your story and how your mom kind of like worked through it. I have a similar story of how my papa joined the Navy and came over here and my grandma's family also I think started in Long Beach as well when they came over so all very familiar. (laughs) Yeah awesome well let's go ahead Rain and
0: fast forward to life today I mean we've learned so much about you but what keeps you excited or busy nowadays like in this weird time?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Advocacy so um, Mm. I think like the one word is like advocacy for me there's just like a lot of things that I care about that I realized that I care about. So I actually like backtracked to like 10 years ago when I was graduating college as an accountant in the middle of like this big financial meltdown. Nobody really trusts like the finance people. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's like kind of like the backstory to it. it is like I created like this persona of like Rain Cares. And now I'm like, I actually just started my website. And so I am listing like the things that I care about and that I think the things that I believe shouldn't be partisan, just because like our world is so like, just divided right now that I just think like, these are like the things that you could care about that don't, shouldn't involve, you know, we shouldn't have to be debating whether or not this is like a conservative or a progressive issue. These are just like issues that we we should care about. So... Mm -hmm really like one of the things that I was excited about and like that brought about the risk of the dominoes to fall into peace for me is the not being in pain, you know, like this whole idea that it's a choice that you can choose to not be in pain. Like regardless Mm -hmm. if it's like a physical pain, emotional pain, like there is always something you can do about your circumstance. And that's, it's really just up to you. Cause I could just have like stayed and be in a miserable relationship I could have just like got into um you know accounting when i graduated i could have just i could have also just got into nursing because i already was like two years into it so oh, it's wow. just like all these choices that i was able to make in my life i think it's just like it's so important to like remember that you have a choice mm-hmm. and maybe it's not the choice that you want to make right now maybe it's you only choice that you think you have right now, but there's always a choice.
0: Yeah, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. And I like how you say that you don't have to be in pain. And it's not even just a physical thing, but it could be other like circumstantial stuff like you're talking about in your relationship with your ex. And then also offline, we were talking about what it means to be a birth mother. And so we kind of covered this extensively offline. But do you want to explain maybe in, you know, briefly to our listeners what it means to be a birth mother and how that kind of ties into your theme of like, you can choose to not be in pain.
2: Thank you. I wasn't sure if I was like ready to talk about this because I keep waiting for like the perfect moment. Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of people that I've met through the mom groups that still don't know. And they still ask about the child and I'm going to like, I'm going to just keep referring to him as the child. But yeah. So to me, like being a bird mother, eventually like the definition evolved. To like removing myself from motherhood. So mm-hmm. I gave birth to a child and that child is now in a safe and loving family, getting his needs addressed to a family who really wanted to have a child and who wanted to adopt, who wanted to welcome a second son into, well, a second child into their family. So to me, like helping them and like sharing this blessing with them and at the same time like helping myself because motherhood was so painful for me and initially i was like you know i never want to have kids i remember when i first told my dad i flew to long beach to tell my dad in person that hey you know i'm pregnant and he actually misheard i don't know what he heard but he basically said don't have kids Like, was his response? (laughs) And I was just like, yes. So, like, literally my dad was like, my dad must have, like, known something that I didn't. So Mm. he must have, like, sensed something. And so my my mom, like, passed away two years before I got pregnant. So, Mm. I mean, exactly almost two years, I think. But, yeah, so it was really, I just had my dad. And so I told him, you know, yeah, I'm pregnant, like, for sure, like, I'm having a child. And he didn't hear it like that. Like, I don't know what he heard, but his response was, you shouldn't have a child. And so, okay, I was like, all right, but I'm having a child. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, it's too late. It's like, uh, well, you kind should have
0: told me that, like, earlier right? in life, maybe, but like, no, yeah, like,
2: maybe, guys. like, and the thing is, so I was, what, 30? So it's not like a, it's a teenage pregnancy, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like an implant pregnancy. It was like, Our um, our birth and like not birth announcement, pregnancy announcement was like first we had each other and we paid you know we got our lives in order kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. it was like, it was like the sequences of like I checked all these boxes, of you know being a responsible adult putting my 401k in order you know my retirement in order like short of like buying a house like everything was in order Mm -hmm. like to me and we were actually in the process of buying a house and thank goodness that didn't like go through because you know I was just like I'm trying to imagine like how hard that would be but anyways so it was like this whole sequence of like I had the perfect pregnancy up until that point where it was at 36 weeks I found out my ex was cheating Mm. and so it was multiple women so it wasn't just like one it was multiple women yeah I'm like I want to give a shout out to all three of them more power <laughs> to you ladies yes yeah, so he was talking to this lady in like Las Vegas and she was telling him you don't have to stay just because you have a kid and I was like that was so powerful oh. to me. That was really so powerful to me because I was like, you know what? That is right. Like, I don't have to stay with you. You're like, guess what, neither do I. Yes, what? <laughs> yeah, you are saying the same thing. <laughs> and, you know, I would have like, I turned around. I'm a very like, if you have a goal, you have to put plans into place. I did. I tried. So I like wrote down the moment that I found out that he was cheating. I like told my OB, like, I want to get checked, like the full panel for STDs, for everything. And unfortunately, he assaulted me while I was pregnant. So this is, oh God, this is right like, now. yeah. So I was 36 weeks pregnant. This already went to court. He's already oh going to be in prison for like the next 14 years because mm-hmm. You know, you don't get to assault somebody while they're pregnant. With your child. With your child. So I told the judge, I was like, you know what? If somebody will assault you while you're carrying their child, you're going to hurt that child. And I'm going to need you to protect me and my, you know, my child from this monster. Oh, my God. I'm
1: so sorry.
2: So... (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, so my other advocacy is the other part of me is like, we need more guidance on how to do victim impact statements, Mm -hmm. because it's just like, they didn't just affect me. This affected the child. And I truly believe that I had this perfect pregnancy and my child had a stroke in utero. So at six months, at six months, I started noticing delays he had a stroke so oh. he had a stroke before he was born oh and this like opened a whole new trauma for me because mm-hmm. i blamed myself uh-huh. for everything that happened and i've been in therapy for like two something years like almost every week mm-hmm. and just like stopping to like not blame myself because there was nothing that i did you know, well, maybe because I stayed like one more day, but it was no, like, there's nothing, nothing to that. <laughs> that I could no. have done. Right. So unfortunately, like he just has like all this medical complication and that's really like what made it hard for me. Yeah. What made motherhood unbearable was that I did not, like as much as other people like tried to help me. I didn't have a village set up. I couldn't afford a nanny. I could barely afford formula, which Mm -hmm. by the way, I've like, I never bought formula. I just like I essentially like forced my body to breastfeed for like a year and a half. And I was pumping for a year. Mm. And so I would never wish that on anyone, like more power to you if you like can do it naturally. It didn't come naturally for me. I ended up having people donate breast milk. It's like this most magical thing. Like the mom groups are so amazing. And it's just like, I lost those friendships. Like when the diagnosis came in, I kind of lost those friendships. Like it was very like, because people don't know how to talk to you. Yeah. When, when you have a diagnosis or when you have a child who has a diagnosis, they don't know how to talk to you. And maybe it's like just this unofficial thing of like, people don't want to talk about that. And it's like, no, like we need to talk about this. And I, I was kind of just like, so focused on like getting him help and getting him set up with all the therapies. And I was like this single mom, just like trying to make ends meet. And if you if you're seriously considering like so I like as a spreadsheet like person, mm-hmm. I have everything spreadsheet, all the mm-hmm. like the, the cost of the diapers, the cost of childcare, all the other costs like that was involved. Childcare was like costing me a thousand and forty dollars a month. Mm-hmm that works out to like, you know, that easily like $12,000 a year. Right. So if mm-hmm. you somehow think that you have that laying around, <laughs> like, go ahead. Like, go, yeah. go, and you go, know, and you know what rain? Ahead. Like,
0: um, I, I love how you can like crunch the numbers on this. Cause I think very often when it comes to motherhood, it's very, it's very glorified for like, they really glorify yes. like women's suffering as a mother, you know, it's like, Oh, but yeah. you're such a strong mother. You're so independent, you know, you're doing everything you can to love this child. But it's like, that's nice to kind of romanticize that and glorify that. But in reality, that shit's hard. I just think about what it was like. I mean, I can't speak on behalf of my mom, but for her to be a single parent and a widow with three kids under 11, like my mom went through shit. She went through hell, you know? And I remember there was a time where she you know, became obese, she picked up a gambling addiction, you know, like she went through all this stuff like by herself for those first seven years before she started dating. And then of course there was, I I was like, who are you to date? You can't replace dad, you know? So it's like, she was just getting attacked on all sides. And so I, I really appreciate you sharing kind of like just this just the realities of what's not put on social media when you do become a mother, you know? Yeah. Like you're telling me like, it's hard. But anyway, I, I just feel compelled. Yeah. To, I wanted to add that, but continue on with your story.
2: I mean, and your mom was probably grieving because I was grieving yeah. the life that I thought I was gonna have like this perfect nuclear family, right? Like the American yeah. dream yeah. of like, you know, you marry somebody who you thought you know, <laughs> And then you you form a life with them and then you decide consciously to bring a child into the world. And then suddenly one day waking up, oh, like now I have to be a single mom. Now I have to do Mm. this on my own. So I can only imagine like the grief that your mom felt because to me, I was grieving the life that I thought that I had. And I still, you know, I still was like for a while, like probably until recently, I was just really like, yeah, I changed my mind about having a child, but now I've changed my mind again because it's really like it didn't suit me. Yeah. So so that whole experience was so painful and for some people this is probably going to be the first time that they hear me talking about it because mm-hmm. they think that I just like took pictures down from social media because I had to and it's just like, I just don't talk about him anymore or, you know, it's just cause it's so painful. And sometimes people don't even ask, like, like they don't ask, they, yeah. you know, they ask how you are, but it's really like, it's, it almost feel like it's disingenuous. Like, it's not really like, like, I hate when people say, how are you? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's so loaded. And also yeah. I don't really think you care. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's that and. And so I really wouldn't recommend motherhood if you're not sure. It's not one of those things that, like, I really am a firm believer that maybe, you maybe think about it. Like, don't do this out on a whim or like, oh, you know, like, oh, your kids. And even if you are sure, like, (laughs) it's not not always going to be
1: what you expect. It's not always going to turn out how you expect. I mean, experiencing that type of, like, betrayal and then assault in a relationship in the first place is hard enough to deal with. And then on top of that, you know, being in the middle of what you thought was going to be this American dream that you guys were building together with this person that you thought you knew, and then having to carry his child after, you know, that kind of harm was done to you uh, can definitely change things in an instant. And again, I just admire so much your like strength your ability to trust yourself, your ability to choose yourself, and also your transparency for like Jen said, I think that not just in our community, but as women in general, Mm -hmm. motherhood is always glorified. And it's always, you know, stars and rainbows all over the place when you have a baby. And that's not always the case for everyone. And Mm -hmm. it's just, again, so taboo to talk about like the dark part or the dark stories that come along with pregnancy and motherhood. And like building a family, basically, when when things like this happen, like you said, you really never know (laughs) who you're with, you know, and it could show up at any time. And I just commend you for your ability to make it through all of that and be standing here today and sharing this on a public platform. It's so brave of you. And I just I look up to you so much for that.
2: Thank you. I just Like, motherhood, like, the friendships that I made from motherhood from, like, so I was, like, a member of all, like, the breastfeeding groups, Mm. like, to the point that I was, like, a crunchy mom. And I was, like, I'm not even a crunchy mom. This is just, like, intuitive, like, parenting to me. Like, I realized how much of a minimalist I am because of, like, how little, like, I needed to survive. So it was really, like, you know, it was really, like, how do I keep this child alive? And it's really, like our bodies are so amazing. So like breastfeeding for a year and a half and pumping while working it's, and that's why it's like so hard to me because like, you know, everybody knew that I had a child and then now they're like, Oh, how is so-and-so? And And I'm just like, Oh, they're fine. They're with family. And I still like, I don't know how to answer that question. I'm probably just going to like, give them a link to this podcast. <laughs> You're like, here, listen to this. <laughs> like, just, here you go. Like, yeah, here, here, you know, like, and I just, I think the really important part with like sharing my story is because when I had all the shame of like, I had the shame somehow of being a victim, right? Of Of being a single mother, Mm -hmm. of like having a disabled child, of thinking that the disability was because of something that I could have prevented. Yeah, It's just like all this shame, like silenced me. And that was like, what was the lonely part? Because I really like, maybe three people knows the real story. Mm-hmm. you know before you know before they hear it from here right mm-hmm. so maybe like three people know like what really happened and maybe they'll like piece it together or something but the thing that i can't allow my ex to keep doing is to silence me and to not let mm-hmm. me tell my story of like really like this is what you did to me yeah if you wanted to be a hero in the story then why you know then you should have been a hero
1: yeah but you're right, not you had that chance
2: you had that chance and right. so you know this is my story and this is how i'm going to move forward with my life and this is how i'm going to choose to just be grateful to still view it from a place of gratitude that thank you for all these experiences yeah thank you for this wonderful child who's now with an equally wonderful family And, you know, and also for showing you how strong you are
1: and how able, you know, motherhood is not just about putting yourself on the back burner to take care of your kid's needs or, you know, bending over backwards to do whatever you can to, you know, support his disabilities. You did what you had to do to find him a family when you knew it got too heavy for you and work out a situation that works best for all parties involved, including him, you know, first and foremost, him without your ex's help. And so that alone should you know, help release a lot of that shame and bring a lot of pride, like self-pride in yourself to be able to do that, you know, and make those hard decisions that inevitably were just best. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I just need to take a moment to pause
0: and just commend you again, Rain, for sharing all of this because I can feel that shame. Like I can only imagine like how you experienced it. A lot of it alone, you know, especially as, you know, as as more shit started to hit the fan, (laughs) I think for you. And and so like, you know, Nani is right. Like it's so admirable that you did all the work that you needed to do like for yourself to show up today to share your story. And I want to let you know that like, i don't take that for granted and i feel very moved by what you went through and i feel like i have to take some time to process this some more but i think the thing that really resonates with me and you know even though i joke about this often and we're talking about this offline i'm actually pretty serious about this is that you know if if i do have a kid you know like i want help i want co-parenting so this is going to sound really unpopular but i think this is kind of the theme of our conversation today just because you give birth doesn't mean you have to be a mother you know, and of course, Absolutely. like like we're all saying here, like we're all saying, let's like, yeah, you could have like you had all your ducks in a row. You were set up for the perfect case scenario to like raise this kid. But even though you did it, even though you chose to give the child away, like just like what Nani said, you were so intentional about putting the child in a healthy environment with people who actually want to be parents. It's it also it kind of goes the other way. It's like it's like you don't have to give birth to know that you want to be a parent. You know, that's why adoption is possible. You know, I think about my husband's like sister who worked so hard for almost a decade to try to have kids and ultimately they just couldn't. And so they had to adopt. And then that was even a long process in itself. I think it took them like two to three years before they can actually adopt. And when they thought they had a kid, the mother wanted to keep the kid. So they had to go through the whole process again to get another kid. And it's just like, it's just all so crazy but you know I think what resonates most with me is just understanding that like it's okay if a child is not raised by their biological parent like yeah that's ideal right like we all think that's ideal that's what you know society and social media and and pop culture like glorify and romanticize but the reality is we live on a broken earth you know this, this is a broken earth that we're on <laughs> you know and we have to acknowledge that and we have to acknowledge our imperfectness but still operate from a place of love to make 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 sure that the child is put in a healthy situation and rain, you did all that, you know, like you did all that. And I'm just so like, I'm so proud of you. Like I'm so just honored to know you (laughs) like to know that you exist. (laughs) And I really do think that our listeners are really resonate with our conversation today. So yeah, I feel like I have more to say, and we'll probably talk more offline. I'll probably send you, you know, audio messages on IG (laughs)
1: DMs and stuff, but I don't know, Nani, anything else you wanted to add? No, just that Rain, you're such an inspiration. And I hope that if there is any of that shame that you still carry, you know, not just in like social circles or on social media and pop culture, but also how we were talking about offline on how like the law is written on people that give up their children for adoption that's even stigmatizing it, you know, and how you really want to work to advocate to change that and to get those laws rewritten, because that's just simply not fair. You know, that, Mm. that term abandonment doesn't apply to the situation in the least bit. And so, you know, you make me feel very strongly about that as well, now that I know that. And I think that more people should have awareness about how this stuff actually goes down and what people actually go through. Cause that is just so ancient, you know, of, of a language to use in this type of situation. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just appreciate you sharing this with us so much and again, commend you for your bravery to do it on such a public platform. And I hope that it inspires a lot of other women to also come out and share their stories that are not so glorified about motherhood, childbirth, and all of that, pregnancy, anything that goes along with that. So thank you again. Yeah, so
0: we're just... Send you all the love, Rain. And if no one else likes you, just know that we do.
1: Nani oh. and I. No, I'm sure. I'm sure lots of people love Rain. Oh. How could you not?
0: Yeah. No, you're incredible, Rain. Um,
1: well, yeah. I mean, as we
0: start to wrap up here, I know that one of the big lessons you had. I mean, you already dropped like a lot of knowledge. Like, hey, make money for yourself. Like, if you want power, you make money for yourself. I was like, girl, I'm about that. And then also, like, you know, you don't have to choose to stay in pain. But I also know, like, in my notes here, that one of the final lessons you want to share is to listen to your body. So uh, Rain, would you want to kind of elaborate on that? Like, you know, the message of listen to your body and, you know, what kind of the story behind this lesson that you want to share today?
2: So the listen to your body is ever since I got my period, I think when I was 12 is I've just been in this pain. Like I spent Over three decades being in pain of being told that it's normal to be, you know, to be experiencing that much pain to the point where you're like throwing up and you're pale and you you're unable to move for like three days out of the month. Right. Where you're just like bleeding and you, you know, there's like like that's not normal. So (laughs) it's not normal. It's not normal. (laughs) It's not like I don't know why we normalize that. And I think it's it's partly like, you know, you guys kind of touch on like sex education, I think, in one of the episodes. And Mm. I was like, yeah, like that's like that's not normalized that because Mm. it's just like this thing where if we don't talk about where you know what happens right what is your period cycle look like Mm -hmm. what is you know what is normal and so listening to my body and just like having all this time at home Mm -hmm. so I was able to like so I was able to finally try the cup because when I was a teenager you know for some reason there's a taboo against tampons so I just never learned how to use one and I and so then My mom, she's
0: so all scared. like, my mom's like, oh my God. Like she's like, I have a friend who was using tampons. And then she had to, like, is it a vasectomy or um Oof. what is it for women? Like I like forget. tied yeah. Hy- yeah, probably a hysterectomy. Yeah. Anyway, okay. one of those things where you have to like kind of basically not have kids anymore. But like yeah. someone like she was like, Oh yeah, my friend's daughter like was using a tampon, and then now she can't have kids. So don't use it. Like, I remember she first, like oh when I was God. young, she first saw like that I had a box of tampons like in my bathroom. And she just like, she like confiscated them from me like no
1: now you only use pads like all you use is pads so um so I hear you on that I was like what is up with tampons for the (laughs) longest time I was only taught to use pads and then when I got older like in high school and college my friends were like why do you do that like use tampons (laughs) and I'm like what how do I do that (laughs) that? and I was so scared for the longest time to try it it was so funny when I actually got into it and I was like wow this really does make my life so much easier
2: Yeah. So wait till you try cups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then so then I, you know, I had like all this time to like try cups and it's like life like mind blowing and life changing to me to like learn about my anatomy. And mm-hmm. like so I think it was like an unintended consequence to like look into seed cycling mm-hmm. and just what you put in your body, what you eat contributes to your overall health, right? Like that makes sense. So I started looking into it and I was like floored with my discovery and I Mm. still don't think like, sometimes I still think it's a placebo, but now that I have like visual proof that it's no longer like that. So like part of like using the cup is like, seeing your blood, right? Collected mm-hmm. in a cup. Yeah, and yeah. so and so, it's supposed to be really red and not clumping. And it's just supposed to just be red. Mm-hmm. So so that's your body telling you, hey, you're shedding this correctly. But when it's a different color, when you're in pain, we're in, it's not just, it's just not natural to feel like that. It's part of the cycle to want to take a nap, but it's not normal to be throwing up and, you know, just... <laughs> bleeding to bed like it's so that part is like it's not normal so I've just been convinced like I've used almost every form of birth control I was just like told you know no it's okay like once you grow older it's gonna go away and I just like I just realized it was like 30 years later like it hasn't gone away like are you kidding me like 30 years or sorry is that 30 years? No, I think something. 20, 20 something <laughs> yeah, 20, years. Why don't yeah. I say three decades? I don't know why I think that. But anyways, I added like my whole life. But anyways, yeah. So it's like two decades, right? So it's, mm. it's this thing that I've been convinced by everybody. And I had a really good OB. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like nobody was listening to me. But finally, I was like, you know what? I don't think this is normal. So just listening to my body and nourishing my body. So I think that was like, that's one of the lessons of motherhood, right? Mm -hmm. If you can't put your mask on, then it's harder to help other people. So you have to like, understand your body. And so like, so that's like the other, like gratitude towards motherhood. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes, thank you for this experience. I still don't like it. Like it's still not for me. It's still not. Like for me, I'm so Anna. sorry. Like it's okay. Like you know, I went yeah. through like this. It's it's really like I went through this like perfect pregnancy. Some people will even tell you that pregnancy will fix your fix your period and it'll it'll make it like more like bearable or something because you're gonna feel pain that's worse and it's like no no like it's supposed to like somehow like like you know, nope it's still bad
0: so it's, it's so like terrible, so you're saying that bad. you're saying that more pain that you get through a pregnancy <laughs> is going to minimize the pain that the you pain have. the it's, pain it's, that you already it's have still, it's still pain okay
2: and the thing normal. is <laughs> um when you're breastfeeding your hormones are out of whack so some people stop bleeding Mm. so for a while I was like oh great like oh this is good like I'm not bleeding I'm also not in pain but also like what is this like my body's not mine because I'm nursing a child like 24 7 so yeah yeah like is that really like the trade-off you know like I don't know and so yeah so it's it's this like you listen to your body and Mm -hmm. if your body is telling you hey there's something wrong like you have a headache you have something that you can't explain it's an indication from your body that you know Mm -hmm. we got to do better and this is like not me advocating for any like special product or anything like just eat Mm -hmm. better Mm because because i think Mm -hmm. ultimately like i have like yourself yeah care of yourself like like food is just like It's something you have to you know, you eat it. Eating is just something you have to do, right? So you Mm -hmm. might as well nourish your body so that it can help you. (laughs) I don't know. I mean Yeah. Well, it's like they say say like like
0: food is thy medicine, thy medicine or men medicine is thy food kind of thing. It's like you're gonna eat it anyway, like but at least put good stuff in, in, what, you good consume, stuff in. Is what you're trying to say. Like, just do that. Listen to your body. Yeah. I feel like there's this whole kind of like generation now or culture where, you know, people are not minimizing like what their body is trying to tell them because our society has always said like there's this book I like to read called the fuck it diet and oh. oh it's a good book yeah and it talks about like you know society and you know diet culture has taught us to not trust our cravings when really mm-hmm. your body's literally telling you what it needs you know yeah and so just like just like eat stuff the like chocolate <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it, it's crazy because it's like I've allowed myself to like just eat what I want and you know what I'll also eat I'll eat dark chocolate like I'll eat my veggies. Like only because it's like, I've allowed myself to trust my cravings. Cause your cravings aren't yeah. always going to crave bad stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, Sometimes if anything, want broccoli, Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes it'll crave it more because you're withholding it from yourself, you know, because in the book, it explains that you kind of get into this famine state of mind. And so your body feels like it has to like, you know, like gather all the food or whatever. And as soon as it sees food, you know, it wants to eat it all. And then here you are feeling guilty, but it's like, no, your body is doing its job, you know, but rain. Wow. Like I wow I'm just i feel so I mean I've been talking a lot but I feel so speechless I think and just grateful that we've had our conversation today so rain I've just again I appreciate our conversation obviously this is not going to be the last one I know we're going to continue chatting offline and and yeah we're friends now so you know just deal with it so let our <laughs> listeners know if they want to get a hold of you if they're just so moved by this how can they find you online?
2: So I have a website called raincares.com. So it's just R-A-I-N and then cares. <laughs> um, and then I'm also on Instagram. It's kayamol.kindness. So it's like Kaya is like you can do it in Filipino. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm like, what else? I'm also on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, I'm on us. Facebook. So you can also find me on as raincares. because part of this is I'm just like I'm I don't know I'm like paranoid but like be having my name out but also this is like the identity that I my fake it till you make it identity of like all the things that I care about yeah so <laughs> yeah. so yeah so if you look for me on Facebook if you want to tell me what color your blood is <laughs> I Which guess. I've done that. Which Jen has done. I have um, done that. <laughs> somebody has sent me a picture of their tampon. So oh, you know, beautiful. It's, it's, it's been it's been, a, it's been an amazing journey for seed cycling. And yeah. really like like once I get out of quarantine, I'm actually like delivering like pumpkin seeds to somebody because they've oh, never wow. had pumpkin seeds. So Yeah.
0: yeah it's, been, good. It's, been, <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. Well, you know, Rain, I'm just so happy to hear. I, I mean, again, first of all, just all the healing that you've gone through and continue to go through, I feel like for yourself, but also this little, this community you're beginning to build for yourself. Like, you know, like you said, people reaching out to you and like talking about, you know, their blood with you. I love that. And by the way, I love using the cup too. My sister oh, hooked me up with, it's the, the brand. Actually, I won't say the brand because they're not a sponsor. Yeah, don't say the brand. But yes, I, <laughs> but yes, I do use a cup as well. And at first it was a little weird because like, oh, that's my blood. But after a while you get used to it and you're like, oh, like that's what it looks like today. And, you know, it Mm -hmm. kind of becomes second nature. Like you see your blood anyway, even if you have a tampon or a pad. So like, so the cup it's like, and also it's eco-friendly, you know, it's like, you don't have to buy more pads or more tampons. And at least for me, you just have to like boil it in hot water (laughs) for like five (laughs) minutes to like disinfect it and stuff like that. And there's like other ways, but I I just love that you brought that up because, you know, Nani, I don't think we talk a lot about like our bodies on the show and, you know, we we really don't. And so not that we don't want to, it's just that, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't had someone such as yourself, who really just started to own your body and your sexuality and, you know, just everything about yourself and being able to talk about it. So, you know, we always talk about whatever the guest feels most passionate talking about. So, you know, thanks again for being on here and for joining us today and being a part of our sisterhood now and our family. Nani, any final thoughts before I do the final wrap up?
1: Just thank you, Rain, for being such a trailblazer, both in your personal life and also in all the spaces that you insert yourself and are trying to advocate for now. It's, uh, again, just so inspiring. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I didn't bring up a sponsor today, so let me just bring up one at the very end, because why
0: not? It's never too late. If you need to get focused at home, because we all are stuck at home and you just really need to get into that mindset, check out Focus at Will. It is a scientifically curated playlist of music to help you concentrate at home. You can check that out in the show notes as well as our website tfawproject.com that's tfaproject.com. and of course if this conversation resonated with you in any way you can text message us at 415-484-8329 so again that's 415-484-8329 and of course don't forget we do have a mailing list that's where we want to stay engaged with you as social media starts to get cray cray and people are disappearing left and right or getting kicked off of social media we want you to be part of our mailing list so we don't have to worry about that stuff so Check that out again in the show notes or at our website, tfawproject.com. All right, we love you all. Thanks for being here. And we will chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.
1: Hi, everyone.